This is the cult podcast. What? The cult podcast. I hate this. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Gabe, okay, why do we name it what we named it? Because in this podcast, it's about uh, pop culture and cults. <laughs> <laughs> Every other week, we talk about a cult that we've escaped from. That's yeah. that's super deep. I can't even respond to that. I think the, only one cult for me. You uh, more than one. Can you you could make the argument. If you count my second girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> we just lost a listener. I'm not. I'm not going to mention her by name. So it doesn't matter. Negative one listener now. Uh, what are you? What What's new, man? Nothing since we recorded the last one yesterday. Uh, I'm having dinner with my dad tonight. Oh wow! Yeah, it's his birthday. He's 56 this week. Happy birthday to gonna, your dad. I'm gonna grab a pint at the pub. Oh, nice. Another point to the pub, mate. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that's new in my life, right? I'm still thinking about 1917. I don't know about you. I've actually seen a lot of movies since then, but I'm still thinking about it because of all the talk. You know what? Out of the last bunch of movies that I've seen, 1917 is stuck in my head more than any of them. But today we're talking about... This isn't the 1917 <laughs> podcast, is it? No. We, what should, it, we could do nine podcasts about that. We could just do 1917, the podcast part two. No, where, let's, where do we leave let's honor James Mangold. Yeah, that's true. I really did like this movie. It was a movie, for sure. It it, it started, and then it played, and then... It was uh, kind of long. It ended. And, it didn't feel uh, overly long. When it was over, I, I really felt like I had just watched something. Did you know anything about this event going into the movie, the Le Mans in 66? I knew, Gabe, well, let's back up for a second. All right, you're right. We're, I, we're getting ahead of no, ourselves. No, 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 I'm going to answer your question. Let's back up. Uh, How are you? <laughs> <laughs> what's, this, what's the name of the podcast? Going you? into this movie, it's the movie that I cared least about. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I would agree. I think out of the nine, at least, that were nominated for Best Picture, I wasn't even actually planning on seeing this movie until you propositioned this podcast. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I got to see it now. Well, you got to <laughs> see all the, the best picture now. No, I've never seen them all until this year. Ever? And I've seen most of them, I think, before. But there's always movies in a in a nomination like that of 10, because there's so many now for best picture, where yeah. someone's not going to be interested really at all in right. at least one of those. Right. And I've never been into cars as much. It's sad. A lot of friends who are into cars growing up. But not me. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've owned a couple cars in my lifetime. I've, I drive them. So you can relate to this film. Yeah, I have. Uh, <laughs> Do you ever drive fast? I hate <laughs> <laughs> you. What, what's, the, <laughs> what's the fast? I'm sorry. What's the fastest you've ever driven in a car? Uh, 102. Probably. Really? Yeah. I don't think I've ever broken the hundred seal. The cops are coming to get me. <laughs> I can hear the sirens. They're listening now. Oh. Well, you were driving 100 and 105. I hope someone listens to this podcast. For those that don't know, <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to uh, talk about we? each of the oh yeah the top nine film nominations, feature film nominations for the Academy Awards. And today we're doing FVF. Ford versus Ferrari. And like, like we were just saying, we didn't care... I care about it now. I care about it now. A little bit. I barely cared about Wolverine, and they made those movies. Really? 
but you're such a comic book guy. I'm a huge comic book guy, but I'm not like a big Wolverine fan. I he's fine, but I mean, I'd rather see X Men movies with the the ensemble cast and all that jazz. Did you like any of them besides Logan, which was obviously the best? <laughs> well, that's an assumption. We could debate. Wait, we could, you don't think Logan we was could the best Wolverine that. movie? Oh, the best Wolverine movie? Yeah, not yeah. the best. No, no, that was X-Men the best movie. Wolverine movie. Yeah, there was only three, and the first one was. We don't talk sh- about or- X Men Oranges. Oranges. What's funny is that James Mangle directed two of those movies. Mm-hmm. The two right. good ones. Should we talk about James now, or should we? Uh, let's talk about. Let's. Can we talk about X Men? This is now an X Men podcast. We're. I'm very excited for the future of X Men in the Marvel universe because. Uh, they're purchasing a Fox. Now Marvel owns all of X-Men, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, any auxiliary characters. Do they have anything slated yet? They are discussing it. And there's a lot of hype. Basically. So they have full rights now to to push X-Men into that mm-hmm. universe that they have already created? Yeah, they're pushers. That's awesome. They're pushing it. Um, the, the, uh, yep. We should probably take from the top. <laughs> <laughs> no. This is the pulp, <laughs> the pulp podcast. And today we are talking about Ford versus Ferrari. Came out earlier this year. I couldn't even find it when I was looking for it on the recently released movies list. It's weird that they would nominate this film and not nominate other great films that came out earlier this year. We're doing that again, as we previously <laughs> discussed. <laughs> Lighthouse, tier, Midsummer, double tier. I never expected like Midsummer to get many nominations. So which, I, I made peace Which with is that. insane. I mean, th- think about the opening of that film and like how, how beautiful it is with the, the, the music and the feeling and the emotion and the way that it's shot and the opening of that alone, you know, you know what I'm talking about when she's sitting there and yeah. crying. Their the opening to that movie is probably one of my favorite. It is. I don't know if you call it a cold open. It is heart wrenching. It really sets the tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're just like, what is happening? And the rest of the movie, your whole mind is just exploding. I think, and this is something, I'm, I'm going off town on a tangent now, but to be easily caught in wonder and awe at the world around you and the way film can encapsulate that is why I love it so much because I'm just like, I'm amazed at what they're able to do on screen, even as I get older. Are you just talking about film in general? Well, I mean, in any movie, you should just go in with an open mind, and you should go just wanting to be amazed at what you're about to see. Go in wanting to experience something. So that's the attitude I tried to take into this movie, because I wasn't looking forward to it, you know, to the story, but I thought they could do some interesting things, and they did. I'll take you into this movie. Here we go. Oh, yeah. James, little Jimmy Mangle. James Mangle. Who is he? That's a great question. Gabe? <laughs> Ford vs. Ferrari was directed by James Mangold. Little Jimmy Mangold. He's a nice guy. Grew up in New York. Was born in 1963. Right in the middle of the apple. And then he moved to California. Started working at Disney. Then he wrote... Oliver and Company. Oliver and Company. Did you know that? You've probably, you know Disney pretty well. I have heard of Disney. Have you seen Oliver and Company? Yeah, I have. This is actually a weirdly unique Disney film for me because I didn't grow up with a lot of the classic Disney stuff. Mm. I knew about it, you know, but it was well, always in my Disney periphery. Plus. Disney Plus. Yeah, now I'm going to try can, to... You could see it on Disney Plus if you want. I would like to. I bet, yeah, I wonder if Oliver's on there. It, Oliver, I think he's on there. But that to say, Oliver was one of the first movies... I have to go and check. I remember seeing. I don't know why I'm doing that. I'm so sorry. I'm interrupting you. No, it's okay. You're pretty tired. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. You're worn out. 
Hey, we got a thing. But Oliver and Company. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. After working at Disney yep. and spending some time in California, Columbia, he wanted to keep studying film, so he went and spent some time at Columbia University, got his MFA. I just want everyone to know that Gabe wrote on the notes, went Columbia University. Oh, I did. It's not went to. He just went Columbia University. He went full Columbia. <laughs> he went full Columbia University. I wouldn't University. recommend that to yeah. You can only you're supposed to only go part Columbia. You're not supposed to go full Columbia University. But he did, and look look at him now. Yeah, look at him now. He's massive. He has directed a film that is nominated for Best Picture. What a feat! I mean, I'm I'll never be able to say that unless some miracle happens. Maybe when you're James's age. I'm only 24 years younger. Oh yeah, you're. I forgot you're 15 this year. (laughs) 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 But yeah. James went to Columbia, got his MFA in film. Very exciting for him. And then he made some movies. I actually didn't know a lot about his early film. Copland. Have you seen Copland? Uh, no. No. Burst onto the scene. I think it was his first feature. St- Stallone, Robert De Niro. That sounds uh, very familiar. Harvey Keitel. I think the story is Stallone is a cop in urban America. And there's corruption all around him, and he gets fed up. I think the movie's about vigilante justice. You'd like it. Oh, you're vigilante. Like it. He's like a superhero that doesn't wear a mask and kills people indiscriminately. <laughs> you know what? He's not a very good guy. I didn't know he directed Girl Interrupted and Walk the Line. No, yeah. no, no. I knew he directed Walk the Line. What am I saying? Walk the Line is a fantastic movie. Joaquin? Have you seen it? I've seen most of it. It's such a good movie. It's one of those movies I caught on TV when I was younger. I would highly recommend watching it. Once. And Once. Then, and, then, and then however many times you want to after that. Maybe watch it a second time if you really like it. Yeah. What else? He made a few more movies. Uh, worked on some TV series, Sirai, and then made The Wolverine. Yeah, and this is where he entered the superhero genre. Wolverine, The Wolverine was fun. Logan was... On another level. Every time I think about that movie, I think about the hotel sequence. I don't remember much of it, but I remember the hotel sequence. You're talking about Logan? Yeah. Remember that? I remember everything but the hotel sequence. <laughs> really? Tell me about it. <laughs> when Patrick Stewart is playing Xavier. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's and he like freezes he's time. like losing his mind and and, that was and messed they up. have to escape the and then they're being hunted at the same time. That that movie was great. I think I saw it that three sequence times. I was like this is really cool. I wish the movie was just that. Um I didn't like the end of Logan. But that's yeah, just end, me personally. The end was the least interesting part to me. But there is so much to love about that movie that I didn't really care otherwise. Ford versus Ferrari is uh, nominated for four Academy Awards this year, including Best Sound Editing, Best Film Editing. Those are two different things, folks. Best Sound Mixing, again, a different thing from Sound Editing, and Best Picture. And that's why we are doing this podcast. One day you'll have to break down the sound Oscars for me because I couldn't tell you. I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. Editing versus mixing. Editing is editing. You chop up the sound and you you lay it in, right? Mixing is bringing all of that together. Why is it two Oscars, though? Because two very different jobs. One is is actually sitting at a computer finding sounds. Sometimes sometimes fabricating sounds is a little bit different, but but mainly just editing. You're you're chopping in the sound, like you're chopping the sounds up and, and laying them into the picture. I think this movie could take a sound Oscar. I think... One of the noteworthy things about this film is the editing. It never lagged for me. 
There was no moment where I wasn't engaged with it. Because of the editing. I I think because of the editing. The editing is huge. It moves fast. There's a way to make things like that engaging, and the way to make them engaging is the editing. And if you think about the uh, racing sequences. Very cool. The sequai. Yeah. In this film, and they were all edited extremely well to make me engaged, even in the uh, flashy racing sequences. Yeah. I think, and because of that, I found myself grinning like an idiot through most of the movie because it was so exciting to watch. There was always action and just keeping you on the edge of your seat. It took something that I was absolutely disinterested in and made Made it it interesting. interesting. Exactly right. Jinx. You're not allowed to talk for the rest of the podcast. Fair enough. You just did. Man, I bet they didn't smell very good in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Christian Bale's inside that little car all day getting sweaty he could have used some dr squatch dr squatch for those who are into great products with terrible names or just like great products this might be the thing for you we're talking soap shampoo and conditioner these products are made from all natural ingredients that aren't out to kill you goat's milk greek yogurt citrus coconut oil eucalyptus oatmeal and even coffee and beer this soap is guaranteed to take care of your epidermis in a way most other products don't i'm dying with advertising being directed at toxic masculinity the pigeonholed marketing isn't the only thing keeping you from trying dr squatch it might just be your stubbornness of trying anything different than what you're used to (laughs) with unique scents like nautical sage cedar citrus bay rum pine tar and crisp ipa you'll murder two burns by taking care of yourself and smelling great at the same time <laughs> dr squatch soap company you realize most of the stuff they put in that soap you can eat can you eat the soap uh i've tried how how does it taste it does not taste great oh it doesn't taste like any one of those things Mm-mm. unfortunate i used to use head and shoulders and then yeah. i switched to the shampoo and the conditioner and that's actually quite nice changed your life changed my life all right moving on let's talk about the movie let's talk about the movie we talked about the editing a little bit already. We did. We talked about the editing. But movies that are about history, about things that actually happened, sometimes that can dampen the weight of seeing it all unfold on the screen. But I didn't know anything about Le Mans in 66. So I didn't know how it ended, the story of Carol Shelby and Ken Miles and their families. This this movie is actually called Le Mans 66 outside of North America. So oh. For our international listeners, we're talking about Le Mans 66 today. That makes sense because... I didn't know what the heck Le Mans was. So so when they talked about it in the the movie, I was like, it must be a race in Europe. So it's actually good marketing, Ford versus Ferrari, even though that's a terrible name. Yeah, I don't think it's as big today as it was then. That race was pretty nuts. Yeah, crazy. The cars that they were driving were really interesting. I'm not a huge car guy, but I know a little bit. I've seen those kinds of cars as racing cars in the past. But, you know, they're very different from what race cars are today very different uh do you feel emotionally attached to the characters in this film i did you did yeah and they they do a good job i think with the characters they introduce you to carol shelby first who's Mm -hmm. played by matt damon Mm -hmm. and he is a racer himself and he has to stop doing that that's the first thing that happens in the movie is you Mm -hmm. see him in the doctor's office and Mm -hmm. he's getting a diagnosis he can't race anymore because there's an issue I think it was with his heart, right? Yeah, yeah, One of his valves is no good, and so he can't race because of the way that spikes your... The stress. It takes an effect on him. So he has to just go into designing cars and selling cars, Mm -hmm. which leads to his relationship coming to fruition with the other guy, Ken Miles, who's played by Christian Bale. And he is a spitfire in this movie. 
it's very exciting. He had to lose a lot of weight again. Yeah, he was very thin in this. Yeah, and he he loves to gain and lose weight. That's one of his favorite things. Doing <laughs> movies on the side is just, you know, it's a side gig. But yeah, he had to lose a lot of weight for this, and he was great. I think they both they didn't have to dive into their characters and in the sense of changing themselves very much. I think Matt Damon brought a lot of Matt Damon into Carol Shelby and Christian Bale brought a lot of himself into Ken Miles. So you have that kind of ornery character from Ken Miles. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of aggressive and like you said a spitfire and then Carol Shelby is it balances him out a little bit. He's a little more level-headed, and he's the the talker of the two. Yeah, and they begin this friendship uh, in the film, a kind of an unexpected friendship. A lot of times you see two very, very masculine men like that competing for... It's kind of like a. if you look at Avengers Endgame, you see Thor and Chris Pratt's Star-Lord character, yeah. and they're like competing for the top you know, guy, this is very different. Uh, this is not a toxic masculinity. This is, this is a very healthy portrayal of two men in a good friendship. Um, and the whole thing that changes Shelby by the end or Matt Damon's character by the end of the film is the friendship. So the transformation arc of the whole movie that begins with Shelby and ends with Shelby is the friendship that he had with Christian Bale's character. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool touch in the middle of this, you know, racing film um, to, to actually grip you a little bit emotionally. And to a larger extent, you know, like you said, superhero movies selling a certain viewpoint of what it means and how to be confident in your masculinity. And then even just taking that another step and in society and what people tell you it is to be a man and how to have those healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. It was refreshing to see this kind of thing where these two guys have a mutual respect and they can sometimes rub up against each other and throw down. There's a scene in the movie where they're wrestling on the grass. Yeah, they were wrestling. They're fighting each other. And then, but in the next moment, they're also, they're friends again. Yeah. And they're just having fun. Yeah. I I really loved that. I mean, that was the driving force behind the actual plot of the the movie. Their relationship. Is the relationship between them and how it affected each of them in different ways. And in the end, before the actual end of the film, at the end of the Le Mans race, uh, before the actual end of the movie, something happens. And because of their friendship, that takes precedence. Their friendship takes precedence over the result of the Le Mans race. Yeah. I didn't even really think about it like that. It is... A huge narrative force. A lot of the huge, decisions huge. revolve just around their relationship. Yeah. I also I also want to give a shout out to John Berthall in this. Yeah, I love John. God. John's always good. He's great in WD, The Walking Dead, and... He was in Fury Road. He uh, had a, he bit, was of a in Fury Road. bit more of a role to chew on in that movie. But he right now he's playing a lot of these smaller characters. He was in Wolf of Wall Street in the mm-hmm. same way. But, but he, Punisher... He, have you yeah, seen well, Punisher? Yeah, I love. I saw the first. The season. second season was fantastic. I would highly recommend going and watching. It. I actually yeah. it made me like the Punisher, his Punisher character, even more. And also in, in season two of Daredevil, he was really good. I'm for yeah. that time he was in it. He's always been good, I think, and I'm glad to see him doing better because I think he's a nice guy too. Yeah, from seen. from what I've seen, seems he, pretty genuine. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a he's kind of a man's man, like in the appearance and and. I, like, you know, he, he's got yeah. this grizzled kind of manliness, but then at the same time, he's kind of has a soft heart. But yeah, John Bernthal, I'd also send out a shout out to the guy who played Henry Ford. Um, yeah, he was good. Tracy Letts. He's been in, actually, he's been popping up a lot. He did a good job. I mean, we're talking about masculinity and, you know, what it means to be a man and your relationship with your father, your son, your brother, your friends. Mm -hmm. And there was a really interesting moment in this movie Mm because he's kind of seen as a pompous asshole Mm -hmm. 
you know, not so much as the other character who was kind of the villain of the film mm-hmm. played by Josh Lucas. Who I had forgotten about. I remember that guy that looks like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And while I was watching the film, I had to look up his name because I had forgotten his name. He's always good. He, I, he no, he is good. I just forgot that he was a, a, an actor. I've read a little bit that this film was a little bit unkind to his character. Uh, the person that he was in real life and Hollywood had to play up a bit of the story to get the drama going. Green book all over again. Yeah, you know. But anyway, Tracy Letts' character, uh, Henry Ford II, had this really interesting moment where he's in the car with Carol Shelby and Carol Shelby has to make a desperate bid yeah. to keep Ken Miles as the driver in the race because mm-hmm. everyone's plotting against them mm-hmm. to fail and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he takes Henry Ford in the car and they go racing and Henry Ford II seems to have never been in a fast car before anything this fast yeah and he's losing his mind and you think he's breaking down he starts to babble and cry like a like a child he starts to he seems terrified yeah terrified this is all part part of carol shelby's plan to get him to see what this is really like inside of the car Mm -hmm. and they stop the car and henry ford the second is breaking down he starts to talk about how his father doesn't he talk about his father what he says in a moment of panic and he starts repeating i had no idea i had no idea i had no idea and then in the middle of that he's like all he says about his father is i just i wish my father could have seen this or lived to see this yeah that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie but because of that minimal amount of dialogue i thought it was just so it was so impactful watching it because you didn't need anything else but to show the hysteria behind his reaction to the fast car and and all the, the stuff that he probably went through with his, with his father. Yeah, to see that vulnerability from him. Yeah, was a really, really good moment. It was one of my favorite moments in the film. One thing I did not like about this movie was the score. I really felt like there were a couple times that was actually jarring and it took me out of it. It was really, really? strange. It did, like didn't work for me in this film. Um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't support the movie in the way you wish it. It had. did not support the movie in the way that I like it had. that composer. Typically, Marco Beltrami. He did Logan. I think this movie. He didn't get to play to his strengths. He's done a lot of great stuff where it's a little slower and a little darker. And yeah. this movie was explosive and it was triumphant and stuff like that. So I don't know if that was new for him, but usually he's very good. Yeah, I wasn't a. It wasn't great. I wasn't a huge fan this time. The writing was cool. Sorry, I mean, Marco. just. The writing they they the did film? a good job adapting the story. I don't know, like I said again, how true all the things were necessarily. Mm-hmm. But the Butterworth boys who wrote it, their brothers, I guess, they did Edge of Tomorrow as oh, well. that movie's so good. Well, they did well here. It's not up for Best Adapted Screenplay, unfortunately. That's okay. Well, uh, let's, let's, let me ask you the question that I love asking. Uh-oh. Do you think it's going to win Best Picture? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> a lot of good movies on this list. Ford vs. Ferrari was really fun, but I don't think it's on the top contender. And even as we were saying before, list. surprising that it was even on this list. Yeah. Especially when you look at other films like Lighthouse and Midsummer. That Well, when you have Matt Damon and Christian Bale leading a movie. As we've said many times, the list has been, was weird. The list was weird. I don't know why I just it said it like me. that. But when we're on the Academy, we can fix that. We can write the ship. <laughs> I don't ever expect that to tongue happen. Tongue in cheek. Tongue in cheek. Well, it's been a time. It's been a time. It's been one of the times. How about you? You, you take it away, sir. For, the, for those... No, let's... Can we do something else? Yeah. We should have thought about that before. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say... Let me ask you this question. Let's sum it up here. Why why do we do this podcast? 
because we like it. Anything else? <laughs> Why do we do this podcast? Because we want to talk about the things that we love and we want to share them with people. What is the goal of this podcast? In each podcast, we'll break down and discuss a film of television. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steven. And I'm Gabe. What's the quote of the day? Quote of the day? Yep. They think it'd be like it is, but it do. <laughs>